Coming up on the Just Fantasy Baseball Show, we talked about all things third base. Everything you need to know, there are some top names and there's a lot of guys in between. A lot of guys who are big names and might not be the same production that you're used to getting. So we broke it all down. There's also some fun young prospects. A lot to talk about. Who are our favorites? Who are our sleepers? Best value, worst value. A whole bunch of stuff to talk about when it comes to the third base position this year. A deep position, but also a scary position after those top three guys. And is the best value just the best player at third base? I don't know. Maybe. All that and a whole lot more coming up on the Just Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Welcome back to Just Fantasy Baseball. My name is Rami Lavi. That is Vince D'Amato. And Vince, I think I have to apologize before we do anything else. I, I don't think I'm wrong for saying what I said on last episode. I was just thinking back. And would you qualify Luis Arise as a first baseman? That's my question for you. That's the opening statement. I would have to double check. I don't remember off the top of my head how many games he's played. Um, the reason why I say no, my gut says no at least, is because, I mean, A, he's not a typical first baseman, which doesn't really matter, but B, I, I assume in my head that first base is deeper. I'd have to, again, do a little bit more of a dive. So he would be pushed down further in the first base ranking. So in my head, it makes more sense to put him at second base if he's eligible at second base. Um so yeah, why? How do? Why do you ask that? Kind of. So I mean, what ended up happening was I, after we finished the episode, I'm like, this dude played a ton of first base last year, and of course, I don't have the numbers in front of me now. But um, I was just, and I'm, I, I could look it up as we go. But this guy was playing a ton of first base, and I ended up seeing. I was looking through first base, and I was looking through like who are the top ten. I was looking something regarding Pete Alonso. I was looking at first baseman contracts, right? Because he's in contract negotiations with the Mets now and whatever. That's a whole other topic. And we we already we talked over the weekend about, um, you know, the all co- contract year team. So we'll be working on that soon. But and I was yeah. looking up top 10 first baseman in baseball and Arise was on the list. And I was like, mm, yeah, he doesn't feel like a first baseman. He's not like the prototypical power hitting first baseman. But at the same time, some people have him at first base. He obviously is eligible for both positions in fantasy. We just use him as a as a second baseman, and I think you're right. I think it helps him to be used as a second baseman as opposed to hurting him. But uh, that was kind of just like I had this thought. I was like, oh, my God. Um, yeah, and I mean, we can think about guys like because we talked about Ha-Sung Kim in the second base episode, but he's also correct. third base and shortstop eligible, but it makes and, more and sense was, to have him at second yeah, base. Yeah, and that's what we talked about. We talked about eligibility being an advantage. So for this position right. today, we are doing third base, um, and for third base – Again, you get third base, you get corner eligibility with a lot of them. And I'll start with the same place that we started last one. Let's start with um, best value right off the top. Who do you have? Um, This one for me, I think is pretty easy looking at all the ADPs. I think it's Noelvi Marte. Um, He's currently going at pick around pick 160, 162. I have him for um, according to NFBC. And that is just way too slow. So way too low. Sorry, I was I was thinking about him. He came into last year. If we if we back up a year when he's still like prospect status, he was he was viewed as a top 15, 20 prospect. He was he was very highly regarded. And then he came into last year and he had put on a ton of weight. 
and people were like, oh my gosh, he's going to be so slow. Like there's no way he's going to be able to run anymore. And he already had some questions about his power. What does he do? He goes in and he puts up one of the better sprint speeds in major league baseball. And so he came up last year at the end of last year, he got a little bit of a, um, a cup of coffee and he absolutely killed it. All of his underlying numbers just prove that he belonged. He's only 22 years old. He was 91st percentile in sprint speed. He had six deals in just 35 games. He hits the ball hard. He's got an average of 91 mile per hour exit velocity. He's in a great lineup in the best ballpark. One of the best ballparks in baseball. He's locked into that third base spot. I don't see how Noel V. Mar- in my opinion, Noel V. Marte should probably be around top 100 picks because I think he's that good. I think he's going to explode this year. I'm just, I'm amazed that he's going around 162. He is the best value. You know, it's interesting, and we'll bring this up a little bit later regarding a different player that I know you have on your list and I have on a different list, but a lot of people are talking about. So we'll get to that in a second, but my point is that how do you look at guys who haven't played a ton of Major League Baseball? And how do you assess, you know, are you looking at more just their, their, their minor league stats? Are you looking at what they've done when they've gotten the opportunity? Are you looking at their um, their peripherals, right, with like how hard they're hitting the ball, stuff like that? What, because a lot of times guys can come up and they're hyped and they didn't play a ton in the major leagues, though. And you're like, all right, I don't know. This guy is not as good. It just didn't translate. So how do you, what do you look at? What's the number one thing you look at? It's, it's tough. Um, there's a lot of different things. I mean, it depends on the profile, right? If a guy is a power hitter, we want him to obviously have great raw power, but how much is he going to connect with the ball? So you have to look at, you know, average exit velocity, uh, contact rates, things like that. Like what are they swinging at in the zone, out of the zone? How often are they making contact? Are they a free swinger? Things like that. So it's really just, it's a puzzle. Like you have to try to put the puzzle as best you can together as best you can. And we miss a lot. Like, I don't know if you remember Joe Adele was one that everybody thought was going to explode and just didn't. Yep. But then on the flip side, the reason why I, I'm willing to often take these risks a little bit more and Noelvi doesn't really feel like a risk because he proved it last year that he kind of does belong. But you also see guys like Tim Anderson who have played and just look consistent. And then one year it's just gone. They like, fall off. Yep. And, and so Yes, you can say like, okay, these guys are proven and, you know, they've been doing it for two, three, four years, whatever, but it still doesn't take much. I mean, these are the best of the best baseball players. So if one little thing slips, you're a totally different player and you're not worth the value. So that is why I'm typically comfortable taking risks on some of these guys because their underlying numbers show that they belong. And it's really sometimes not any more risky than taking a guy that you think is consistent because consistency is... I think it's a it's a mirage sometimes, right? Or, or the the idea of safety. Yeah, I think we talked about that in the first episode with starting pitchers in particular. Like, oh, there's no such thing as safety when it comes to starting pitchers. And it, with with this, you mentioned Tim Anderson. I had him last year, and he's like, oh, well, he's gonna just go back to the norm, right? For Tim Anderson, it's Tim freaking Anderson. No, he never went back to the player that he's been his whole career. And sometimes, you know, people say, oh, better get in, but get out a year early than get out a year late, right? With Tim Anderson, it wasn't even that. Like, mm-hmm. no one was even talking about getting out on Tim Anderson. Everyone was just like, yeah, Tim Anderson. You know, typical Tim Anderson season, and then just didn't happen. So it's weird. For me, my best value, and this is a guy who we talk about slowing down. I don't think he's slowing down, although he's actually might be speeding up despite his age and his body type. And that's and it's a weird pick, but Jose Ramirez. I think he's the best value. I think if you get him in the back half of a first round, right? The back half of a first round, maybe even the last three picks of a first round. 
he's putting up, he could bat 300 and have 30 homers and 30 stolen bases. He could have a 30-30 season and bat 300. To me, as it's weird to take the number one guy at the position, which I, I think he's a consensus number one. I think we both agree he's number one. And he's 31 years old, but with the new stolen base rules, he stole 28 bases last year. He could get to 30. This is a guy who could get to 300. Like, I think he's one of the best hitters, and he's such an underrated guy in baseball. I, 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 I you cannot possibly rank him high enough. And of course, you're talking about the Acunas at the top and Bobby Witt and some of those guys that we talked about in the last couple of episodes. But right after those guys is Jose Ramirez, and he's every bit as valuable as those other guys, in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. I mean, and it's the reason why he's pushed back is because he's not one of the flashy names, right? He's not exactly, Acuna, he's not Tatis, but he is, consi- he, he is quote unquote consistent, right? We just said there's no such thing, but he has done it year in, year out. He doesn't play on the best team. So, you know, he doesn't get the LA Dodger tax or, you know, the Yankees, exactly things like that, but he, he does it and he power speed average. He kind of does like, it. Who would you and, rather have over the last 10 years, like him or Aaron judge, you know what I mean? Who's a yeah, bigger name, right. flashier name. It, it's not close, right? Or him or f- even Freddie Freeman, who's might be right there. But, but the numbers suggest that you'd still take a guy like Jose Ramirez. Especially at a position, because third base, oftentimes, yep. especially over the last 10 years, has been very hard to fill. Like, it falls off very quickly. So, yeah. I mean, at a tough position, yeah. And a position that doesn't usually bring speed, either. Like, to and get that, 25 and that's steals? What, yeah. And that's what you mentioned. There's, like, really three top third basemen, and then it falls off. That's a tough thing with third base. When we're doing this overview as a whole, it really falls off quickly. And so, to get the guy who's the consensus number one, and you can almost bet on him being number one again. To me, that's more valuable than anything you could possibly get. So when you talk about best value, to me, that's the best value. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that was a, that was a good good call out right there because most people, you know, they look best value. They don't look right at the top because yeah, it's expensive. But you're absolutely if you could get Jose Ramirez and Trey Turner, like Trey Turner is another one that we'll dive into yep. at shortstop. But yeah, I think that was a good call. So let's switch to the worst value. And again, these are guys who could have great seasons. We're not saying they're going, but it could be they're overhyped a little bit and where they're going to get taken. You might have a better shot at getting someone else, not necessarily at third base, but across the league uh, at that draft position. Who do you have for your worst value? I like this pick a lot. I'll tell you right now. Sure. I, I do have Nolan Arenado, which I, does kind of hurt me. I mean, I'm a Cubs fan and he's a card, you know, I'm the Cardinals, so it doesn't hurt me that much, but <laughs> I'm a huge Nolan Arenado fan. Like it's hard to say that as, you know, a rival team, but I am a huge fan of him. And so it does hurt me to say this, but it feels like, so when he left Coors, there was kind of a, a dip in his production, right? Which we obviously was coming yeah. a little bit, but now it feels like there's that second dip or that second fall. And I think this one is a little more age related. The reason is his speed has fallen off. He was in the bottom 6% in speed. His defensive value went from the 96th percentile in 2022. This was a, perennial gold glove winner at third base to the 75th percentile in 2023. So a 20% difference between 2022 and 2023 and his defensive value. And so that to me is all, that's a huge red flag because there's gotta be some age, something going on. That's just not right. Maybe it was an off year, but that just tells me like something is not right with him. He's, I just, I don't expect the same type of year from him as we're used to seeing. His ADP is 98. I just, I'm just not yeah. going to pay a top 100 pick for yeah. him. He's yeah, still capable. And, and yeah. and, sorry, go ahead. 
No, and, and you were about to say this, that he's a guy who could get it done, but 33-34 is what we talked about. Get it out a year early or uh, rather than get out a year late, right? If he falls to you and you're at pick 110 and he's still there, okay, sure. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. where he's going right now to risk that he might not have a great season, I don't think there's a big drop-off between him and then the rest of those third basemen, the, the bottom tier for third baseman potentially, uh, this year another guy who I want to ask you about because I wrote down Nolan and before I get to my guy um, this guy who I wrote down had a really off year last year by his standards but maybe there's a bounce back in him it didn't feel the same and that's Manny Machado do you think it was a one-off or do you think he's just not the same guy as he was yeah so I don't have Manny's numbers in front of me but what I can tell you is he it's kind of weird it's it's literally every other year with him over the last four or five years he, he has a really great season and then he has a really bad season and then he has a really great season and he has a really it's it's like kind of bizarre how how regimented that has been yeah and so if you believe in the superstitious kind of stuff buy it because this is the year that he's going to do well um and i i do trust manny a little bit more than i i think i do nolan um i think his underlying stuff still tells me that he hasn't fallen off like i think it's pretty consistent with his career so um, that's a good call out though. So, yeah, he yeah, I mean struggled. his average and, and and his average, his on base falling off close to 50 points. Um, the home runs were there, the production was down. Obviously, the team wasn't as good. He didn't steal as many bases. He also played a lot less games, or not a lot less, but like 10 less games, had still like close to the same number of plate appearances. So again, it wasn't like a crazy drop-off, but for a guy also who's 33, 34 years old, you're looking at that and you're like, all right this is more of an abnormal drop-off because the other years that you're talking about, okay, he went from batting 304 to 280 and then back up to 298 the next year. This is a bigger drop, dropping to 258. You know what I mean? Dropping to a 319 on base, which is uncharacteristically low for him. So it, it seems like it was more of a drop-off. And if you're looking at guys that maybe have those bigger names, like an Arenado, like a Machado, don't pay a premium for the name when the guy might not be the same as he was to even two years ago. And like we said, maybe get out a year earlier than a year later, or maybe they're around later because enough people are looking at what we're looking at. And all of a sudden you get, you get them as a steal, you know, mm-hmm. that's a real possibility. And all of a sudden one of those guys at Nolan Arenado, a Manny Machado still put up a 280 season with 25 homers and have a, like close to hundred RBIs. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, this was a steal. We got a steal in, the, in this pick. So uh, I like that. Now for my worst value, everyone's going to hate this. And I could be epically wrong on this because I'm taking a shot. This is what I do. Um, but I just, for so many reasons, I can't, it's not, it's not that I don't like him. It's just that everyone else loves him way too much. Uh, and that's Royce Lewis. I, I, I just, oh, don't talk to me. No, I'm just kidding. Like everyone is obsessed with him. What has he done? That, like, just give it a year. Why do you have to be the first one in on him? You know what I mean? Like, okay, maybe he'll have the number one year of all third basemen this year. It's possible. I- I'm willing to concede that. But why should I jump on him right now when maybe I could just wait a year? Next year, okay, he's a top player. But it feels like he's going so early on the consensus because he's going to be great. The promise of him going to be great. And I get it. I just want to pull up the numbers here. In limited time right he's batted 300 hit 15 home runs like in no games right he played 58 games and he hit 50 
15 home runs, 52 RBIs. Like he was incredible in the limited time he was in the majors. Sometimes that first full season, though, it takes an adjustment and there's a second adjustment that comes. I mean, you've seen it so many times with young guys who in short stints at the end of the year come up and they just they 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 go crazy. Gary Sanchez did it in his first year. I can tell you Glaber Torres, right? And then their second year, there's just an adjustment period and there's slumps. He's still young. He's still going to have stuff to adjust to. To me, like, I just don't think, I don't want to take him at that spot where, you know, I'd much rather take a Gunnar Henderson in a similar spot. That, that's just me. And I think that's a good point. Although, uh, from what I see, and maybe you have a different ADP, or I have Gunnar going about 20 picks higher than than Royce. Okay, yeah, so that makes sense to me. <laughs> there yeah. we go. But yeah, I was looking at Yahoo, so I'm not sure what you're looking at now. But yeah, I... I get it. And most of the experts that I listen to agree with you. This is where I'm going against the grain. You know, I actually think most people agree with you that why pay the premium? Not because of the player and and even the sophomore slump, but the injuries. Like he's had two ACL injuries, right. like yep. major, major knee injuries. So I just I'm I'm you buy the hype and that's fine. I, I I'm going to let you draft him because and and by the way, and you can clown me and tell me I'm an idiot when he has no, the best nope. season of any third baseman. I just I read the hype everywhere. And sometimes with these guys, like even with when Julio Rodriguez first came up with all these guys, I was always like, all right, I want to see it first. And I know we've seen it with him, but you talked about Joe Adele earlier. There's sometimes it just doesn't it, it doesn't click right away. Or even if it clicks right away, there's a little bit of a fall off that second year. And I don't know. Yeah, I think a closer potential comp, and I'm I'm gonna knock on wood as I say this because I'm terrified of this happening. But he could be the next Byron Buxton, who just I mean, yeah. Buxton had the ceiling of a top ten player and just of a Mike Trout, right? Tools yeah, wise, yeah, he really did, and he just could not stay healthy. And so that is my gut fear. But this is one of those plays to me. If you have drafted for safety through the first four rounds and you love your team and you know that you have a high floor taking a guy like Royce makes a little bit of sense to me because it's just like this total, like he could put you over the top. I, I don't use league winner a whole lot, but if you're getting him around pick 50 and he returns top 15 value like that, that could be a league winner right there. If you draft well up until that point and beyond. So yeah, no, hundred it's, it's your cup of tea. I think that's a good pick for your, for your worst value, but. Yeah, it's a risk thing. And to me, there's a lot of risk for a guy who's already people are just want to throw him in there as one of the top guys. And so mm -hmm. you have to consider the risk. Now, this is a category where we look at the risk and say this is not a high risk here. And there could be a high reward. And that's the sleepers. Who do you have for your sleepers? I have a couple. You have a couple. Go ahead. Yeah, the first one I will touch on is Michael Garcia, um, third baseman for the Kansas City Royals. He's currently going around pick 232, 230-ish, um, which I think is only going to go up. He he does everything well from a fantasy perspective, and he's going to get playing time, right? Nobody is pushing him out of the way in Kansas City at third base. Um, he's getting playing time with a much better team, right? The, the Royals are getting better, um, and I think they're going to be a sneaky good team. I think they could compete. I'm going to say it maybe they could compete in the um the al central if they make a couple more moves but i think they're a very good team but michael garcia he hits the ball hard which is exactly what you want to see um and he has a good launch angle but if he raises it just a little bit he's going to explode um michael garcia he is fast he's shown the willingness to run he had 23 steals in 123 games last year so 
he he feels like a guy who like he hits the ball hard he hits line drives he's got a high floor but if he is able to raise that launch angle a little bit i mean i just think he's going to explode he's going to be worth a top 150 pick next year michael garcia going around 230 i'd be willing to take him under 200 i think he's that good and who is your second one yeah my second one is ezekiel duran so the reason why i think this pick makes so much sense now i don't know if you've been following but Corey Seager is looking like he may not be ready for opening day. Josh yeah, so Young. I saw that. I was going to ask you that on the last episode. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and then another one that just happened over the last couple of days, Josh Young looks like he's going to miss the first few weeks. Um, this is a perfect spot for Duran. Duran last year was phenomenal when he played. The only problem is he just there's so much talent in that Texas organization that it's hard for him to get playing time. But that's really his only thing keeping him from being a fantasy beast. And now I think he's, he has his eligibility, which is great. So yeah, that, yeah. Second, he played a lot. I, I feel like he played mostly outfield last year for them. Yeah. So I want to say a lot of um, left fields um, before Evan Carter, especially, came up. Um, but yeah, third base, shortstop, and outfield eligible. That's huge. He's going at pick three hundred and sixty. That is way too low for him, especially now that Jung is out. I would be jumping all over that. I mean his price should go up probably 50 picks. My only concern would be when Jung comes back, is Duran going to get bumped out again? But I'm not that worried about it because it just takes one injury or even with nobody being injured. I mean, he's so versatile. Like we just talked about, he could just cycle in and and get enough playing time for it not to matter. So, um, I mean, he hits the ball hard, just like Michael Garcia. He's got a good sprint speed, high floor hit 276 and 122 games. Like he's just, he's a stud waiting to happen. People are probably already tired of me talking about the Yankees, but he was part of the Joey Gallo trade, if I'm not mistaken. So, Let's yeah, see, I, Yankees, I, I think he, I know he was in the Yankees organization. I think it was the Gallo yeah, trade. It was drafted. one of those trades. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. It was one of those freaking trades. Um, it is third base, and I know I'm sure we'll hit on him a little bit later, but Jung, how does that adjust? How does that change what your feelings are on him going into the season? This injury, where does that put him, especially if he misses, I don't know, a month, right? Yeah, it's it's tough. It definitely drops his price down and it makes me adjust my ratings um, as to what I have here because, I mean, we just don't know how much time we're going to see him miss. And this is the second year in a row that he's had an injury last year was, um, you know, he dealt with some shoulder stuff and, you know, now this, the you know, the calf, like, I'm not going to call him, you know, he's not injury prone. These things happen. It's kind of worrisome to me a little bit, but um, yeah, it drops him. It drops him quite a bit. I just... I don't know if I want to have him sit on my IR for the first month. So, you know, if somebody had already drafted him, it's not the end of the world. But, yeah, I would probably avoid him for for quite a bit um, if if you can. All right. That, that's fair. That, and it's tough. It, it's always tough when you have a guy you're like, oh, when he comes back, he's supposed to be great. And then you're sitting and the, the timeline is unknown. So as we get closer to opening day, if there becomes a more clear timetable, obviously that adjusts, you know, that. So I don't want to, you know, put everything out there right now and say, oh, don't draft. And we'll talk about it. We'll talk about I'm sure we'll talk more about injuries as we get closer to draft days for people as they're coming up closer to the season. Right now, we're very early on in camp, haven't even played a single spring training game yet. My sleepers. And they're two very different sleepers. One is Alec Bohm, who I think is going like 150, uh, I saw, something like that. Mm-hmm. And he's a guy who had, I think, 98 RBIs last year. 
he's going to have production and he doesn't kill you in the rest of the categories. He could hit 20, 25 homers. He could bat close to 300. So he's not killing you in other categories. And in that lineup, which is also a very good lineup, he drove in 98 last year. There's no reason to think he's not going to drive in close to another 100 runs this year. So to get that kind of production late in a draft, if you're talking about, I don't know, 10th round, 12th round, where you're getting that kind of production from a guy like Alec Baum, that's, that's a great pick in my opinion. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. And then and the other one I have. Yeah, go ahead. And he's first base eligible. I was just going to throw that on there. Right? Yes, I like, I, I, I like that I, eligibility. I, I meant to mention that. he. So I saw that he is the consensus ranked 15th as, thir- as a third baseman and ranked 19th as a first baseman. But to me, it's like, well, you combine those two and you have, you know, you're getting a pretty good player there where you could put him at either spot, put him in the corner infield. All of a sudden you're looking at a guy who's eligible at three different spots in, a, in your standard fantasy roster. The next guy is not a guy who's under the radar. Like, so Boma, I think, is just an under the radar guy that would be a good guy to have. The other guy, I think a lot of people are talking about him, but it really relies on him taking the next step. So he could be a sleeper, depending on if your people you're drafting with are not super high on him, but you really are depending on him taking the next step. And that's Key Brian Hayes. A lot of people think he's going to take that next step and develop. I had him the second half of the season last year. I thought he did take that step, he was looking better. But in a, on a very bad team, which is something we also talk about all the time, that we like to avoid bad teams, bad lineups. I don't know how much of an opportunity there's going to be for him to take that next step. Uh, what are your thoughts on him, on Cabrian Hayes? Um, the one thing, too, I just thought about that I wanted to mention on Boehm real quick that I think it's lost is we look at a lot of guys and we look at power and speed. And Boehm, he's not the most powerful hitter he's not you know he's he's definitely a high batting average kind of player but you mentioned he's in a great lineup 97 rbis like he's going to get counting yeah. stats and so i think that's extremely important and, and that's what i was overlooked. talking about that yeah that production yep yep those that very often gets overlooked because we want the guy who's going to hit 40 home run you know th- that just doesn't happen it's so. rare that you'll have a guy who's not hitting the home runs and still getting the rbis to that yep. extent like 97 rbis with well what do you have only 20 home runs last year is right. is impressive and you mentioned Cabrian Hayes. I think that's a good pick. I and I think this is maybe the the dynasty prospect fatigue feeling. I have been waiting for a Cabrian Hayes breakout for three, four years now. And so did the guy who drafted him in my league last year that I ended up taking hit off his hands. You know what I mean? And he had a phenomenal finish, right? Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Clicked. He clicked. I got him in the second half when he played really well. I was like, well, thanks for this, buddy. You know, because yeah. he was fed up. And this was a guy who had been tracking him for so many years. All right, this is the year. This is the year. But then something clicked in the second half. And sometimes that carries over more. You know, we talked about earlier guys who just come up for the second half and, and play really well. Sometimes a guy who played a full season, but all of a sudden something clicked for them. That's the guy who all of a sudden you want to look at the next year. Yeah, it was really interesting. So just looking at some of his numbers, he he – the thing with Hayes was always like he hits the ball so hard. He's just got to raise the launch angle. And he did, but he's still only got 15 home runs. Um, his speed looks like it fell off a little bit last year. His hit tools. Okay. And the production's not there just because of the lineup he's in. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. But a 92 mile an hour average exit velocity is phenomenal. So he just, he hits the ball so hard. Good things are going to happen, but because where's, where does, where does he going right now? Let's see. Um, I have him about 172. I think that's yeah. a fair price. Um, I, I, he definitely feels like a floor play. Like he has a great glove. He's going to play every day. You know, the team's not great around him. So, yep. um, you know, he's not losing playing time. So, 
yeah, I think that's a good value for him, but definitely could shoot up if he is able to kind of put it together just a little bit more. Anything else before we get into your prospect report? No, I think I'm okay. Anything else you want to touch on? No, I'm I'm good. So now is our segment still sponsored by nobody. So nobody picked it up from last week, which is incredible. I thought it was really good last week, but I guess the, the, the sponsors oh, yeah. feel differently. I got a call from uh, Apple and... and hey, look, we face, need someone. I'm, I'm still... Uh... I'll tell you this. So I have... My grandma's a psychologist and on my one of my other podcasts, I was doing ad reads for uh, BetterHelp. And she's like, you know, they're terrible for this psychology. You know, it's they're not real psychologists. They're not good about who they weed out and who they don't weed out. I'm like, all right, I don't really care. I'm just doing it. I'm just getting paid. So <laughs> better help. If you guys want to come on as a sponsor, Vinny's Prospects Report uh, can be sponsored by BetterHelp. We'll take it. Or anyone. Mattress firm. You want to send us a free mattress. Whatever it is. Uh, but Vinny, take it away. Your prospect report for third base in yeah. this season. So I tried to stick to the same number. So about three guys and I don't want to beat around the bush. The first guy has to be junior Caminero. Um, I don't know if you know anything about him, but he is being donned as the right-handed Rafael Devers. The guy just hits the ball so hard and it's beautiful to watch. He's got double plus power. The only problem is he's going to start the year in the minors. Unfortunately, I was really hoping he would break camp and I think there was some potential that he would, but it doesn't sound like the Rays are interested at the moment, but I mean, I really think he's going to force their hand junior Caminero. He's going around pick two thirty-two. It's hard to pay that price. And I don't think I'm going to, unfortunately just someone to watch out for. I think if you play in a fab league, he's one that maybe you take at your last pick or something like that. I doubt he's going to be on the waiver wire. Somebody's probably going to pick him up. So you're probably going to have to draft him if you want him. Um, But definitely has game changing and and fantasy changing power. I mean, we're talking 80 grade raw power potentially and with a good hit tool. So junior Caminero is my first prospect that I I want to touch on. And with that, you talked about the, the, you talked about the call up. Um, it, it, they changed the date, right, with when it counts as a year of eligibility. And we know the Rays really care about that with the eligibility years. They don't. They want to get as many eligibility years as possible. That's how they've always run things because they're probably going to end up trading him by the time he hits his prime. So that is earlier, though, than it was in the past. So that could help you in that scenario. Yeah, yeah. It's a good call out. Um, my next one is Colt Keith. So he just signed a deal with the Tigers right this offseason, um, keeping there for the next six years. It looks like he's going to play second base for now, but he is third base eligible, and I think that's where he's going to end up long term. So I'm going to call him a third baseman um, until he doesn't have that eligibility, but I think he will keep it. Colt Keith is going at three pick 340 right now. That is way too low. Rami, he's locked into a starting job. He hits the ball extremely hard. He's got plus power with the potential for double plus. He's got an at least average hit tool. Could be better. He's never had a K rate that really went above 20%. His walk rate's around 20%. He He's a very mature hitter for his age. The Tigers are getting better. They're sneaky good. I like a lot of the moves that they, they've made. Okay, sneaky good court. is pushing it, but they're getting better. Fine, continue. I I'll push back on that. I'll, I'll have a whole Tigers episode. What's their, am... what's their over under win total this year? Well, I, I mean, I'll look I at know. Vegas. I'm taking the under. All right. <laughs> okay. I maybe I'll take. I'll have to check on it. But I like a lot of the things that this team's doing. 
I mean, the outfield is looking phenomenal with Torkelson finally coming through. I mean, I like a lot of the things that they're doing. So the, the fact that he's locked in, and they have Jung's time, brother, right? Like, yeah, Jace Jung. Yeah, mm-hmm. Jace Jung. The fact that he's going at 340, though, is just beyond me because, I mean, I'm taking him over Junior Caminero, if I'm being honest, just because, like, I know he's going to play. Like, he's going to start the year as their second baseman, and he's third base eligible, so I have second and third. That's huge. I don't know why Pete, why Junior Caminero is going over 100 picks higher. That just makes absolutely no sense to me. I love Junior Caminero, but I absolutely love Colt Keith at that price, too. Yeah, I mean, um, this is the first I've heard of him, but I, I'm going to, you know, take your word for it on this one. That's why this is the prospect report. This is all you. Yeah, so you, you'll have to. Uh, I, I wrote his name down, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to look into that. Not Keith Colt, Colt Keith. He's got the two first names, so often I got him. Yeah, Colt people, Keith. People, yeah. I'm just saying, remember that name, and yeah. we're gonna have a Tigers talk soon. Okay. I'm, I'm um, ready for. <laughs> and then my last one is Tyler Black uh, with the Milwaukee Brewers. He definitely was more intriguing before this trade with Baltimore Orioles right now because the Milwaukee Brewers have Joey Ortiz, who I think is going to slot in as their third baseman. The reason why I'm calling out Tyler Black here is because if Adamas gets traded or if Terang underperforms or if anyone gets injured, Joe, or I'm sorry, Tyler Black is the next guy up. He's not the greatest defender, but we don't care about that in fantasy. He's got good no, OBP we don't. skills. No, he's got good OBP skills and terrific speed. He stole 47 bases in 84 games at AA last year. So that's very good speed. He really just needs the playing time. And the speed could be extremely helpful, again, from a third base position that doesn't typically offer a lot of speed. So Tyler Black, he's going around pick 415. Feels like a good deal if you're in a deep league because... If I mean again, one of these three things, three things has to happen. Adamas gets traded, Terang underperforms, or there's some injury somewhere. I think it's very likely that at least one of those three things happen. I think it's likely that Tyler Black gets quite a bit of run this year. You mentioned the Tigers and you mentioned us not caring about defense. Something that was going around social media this past week was that Javi Baez had a the exact same war as Kyle Schwarber. Did you see that? I did. Um, yes, like, I did. That was a big like social media topic. And like so a lot of it is because of Schwarber's defense. When you're looking at a guy like Schwarber, because I wanted to ask you about this, like how much stock do you put into that? He bats 200. We get it, but he's going to get on base still. And he's still going to hit 40 home runs. Like this guy, to me, he's frustrating if you're watching him day to day, but to just at the end of the week, you look at his numbers. You're like, Oh my God, the numbers are there. He's getting on base. He's hitting home runs. He's driving guys in to me. I don't see the problem. Yeah, I don't either. And I think, you know, you mentioned it, I think, briefly, right? Bias is just a great defender. He had a defensive value of 12.5 last year, which is just phenomenal. Exactly. Did. So that's where he gets his and value Schwarber was from. was an awful was defender. Horrible. Last year. Yeah. And so yep. I think that question just depends on how you want to build your team. Most people are going to take Schwarber because left field is a much, you know, not not a very difficult position to play. I mean, obviously he's not playing it very well. And shortstop is is not an easy position to play defense with. So I think it depends on how you've built your team. But um, yeah, I think most people are going to take Schwarber just in general. Let's get to the tiers now. So we have the tiers and then we'll give you the exact top 10 to close it out. 
Uh, so let's start with the tiers, your third base tiers. Uh, again, we have the God tier, the consistent studs, the potential first rounders, and then the old. I changed, I changed the you name. You changed the bit. last one. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm looking at geez. Okay. Well, the old and the new, out, right? Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Well, I, because sometimes, you know, tier two. No, I got you. There's position. different. There's, yeah, I got Has, you. So let's start with let's start with tier one, the God tier. Bring it home. I just want to hear you it's, say it. It's easy. Jose Ramirez, J Ram, the God. We talked about him. We don't have to go any deeper into him. Yeah, we did. Take him, take him, take him first round. Easy. Because last year he was a top three pick. I don't know what happened, right? I mean, he was a stud. Yep. But anyways, um, yeah, God tier, Jose Ramirez. Tier two, I have consistent studs of Austin Riley slash Rafael Devers. You know what you're going to get from him. I have it's a great studs. Rafael Devers story. So I was sitting right behind the Yankees dugout in his rookie year, Aroldis Chapman comes into the game. It was Luis Severino's first start. I'm pretty sure his mm. major league debut. You could look this up if it was just all one game or if I'm confusing multiple games, uh, but I guess it was 2016 and Devers hit a game tying home run off of Chapman lefty against lefty into the bullpen in left field. So it was the visiting bullpen in Yankee stadium. And I remember sitting on top of the Yankee dugout and I saw when he made contact, it looked like he was late on it. He was late on a fastball from Chapman. I'm like, there's no way that's a fly out, whatever. And the ball just kept going and going. And the dude, the way the, the guy has just so much power, he was late on a Chapman fastball and just kind of flicked it the other way to left field. And it hit into one of the deepest parts of the ballpark, that gap in left field, Yankee stadium landed in, in the visiting Boston bullpen. And I was like, Oh my God. And that tied the game. Yankees lost in the extra innings. It was crazy. My grandmother also after the ninth inning, she's like, all right, you're ready to go. I was like, she's like, it's nine innings. I'm like, it's tied. We're going to extras. It was wild, but yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, but that's my, I was like, I freaking love that guy. Rafael Devers. I'm shocked that he signed long-term with Red, with the Red Sox because they they trade Mookie, which is the worst trade ever. They obviously don't bring back Xander Bogarts. And it's like, yeah, but we're going to sign Rafael Devers. Uh, yeah, one of the best. And Austin Riley has come on as, again, that, that lineup is so stacked. You could look at him, obviously Olsen, and obviously, like, who is the best amongst them? There's just so, it's one after the other. And Austin Riley almost is a little bit under the radar in that lineup, how good his numbers actually are because he's in a lineup with Acuna and Olsen and everyone else and whoever else is in that lineup because there's just so many freaking guys. Yeah, I mean, that's like a, I could talk about that lineup for a day. I just, I love every player in that lineup is just phenomenal. I mean, Michael yeah. Harris, Ozzy, obviously. Michael Harris, yep, yep, there you go. So yeah, that's huge. Um, so then tier three, I have potential first rounders is what I titled it. Um, I have Ellie Royce and Ellie De La Cruz, Royce Lewis, and then I put Gunnar Henderson in there. I don't think he's a potential first rounder, but he's definitely a potential second rounder. So um, I put him in tier three as well. Tier four. I, I love Gunnar, by the way. I think Gunnar fantastic. Yeah. So go ahead. Yeah, yeah. We can talk about him in a second. Yeah. And then tier four, I titled it the old and the new um, because you kind of have some old guys and some new guys that we're not really sure what direction they're going to take, but you know, I think we can expect pretty average um, contributions across the board. And those four that I put in here are Manny Machado, Alex Bregman, Josh Jung, and Noel V. Marte. So a couple young guys with Jung and Noel V. And then a couple old guys with Machado it, and Bregman. Is Bregman a safe play because you know where you're going to get out of him? Or do you not like him because he's never, you always expect just a little bit more from him? No, as long as you know what you're getting out of Bregman, I think he's a, he's a safe play. And I think especially if you play in an OBP league, I think he's an extremely safe play. If, if he's in an OBP league, 
Um, he has a case to be the best out of this group. He, you know, it again, those counting stats that we mentioned sometimes are ignored. He's going to get them in such a good Houston lineup. He's going to get on base and he's kind of like perfected the home run swing. Like they have that short porch that out short there. Porch short porch and left. Yep. And he's like, he hooks his home runs right around. Like he's just perfected like, yeah. it. So yeah, I, I do think he is a, he's a safe play. So we already talked about Machado because I, I again, I, that was such an interesting one to me where I didn't even know the alternate year thing, but um, mm-hmm. uh, anyone else you want to hit on before you give us your top 10 and we wrap up. There was a couple guys. I just wanted to mention um, that I meant to mention earlier, a few late guys that I think are extremely interesting. And I want to get your take on the second one. The first one is Matt Chapman, right? I think it depends on where he signs, but he is definitely like a guy that could be hot, could be cold, could be a little bit of both. I'd could love be to a see the Mets sign you- him. Yeah, that'd be a good one. I mean, Brett Beatty would be totally blocked, but we'll Brett see. Beatty. I mean, but what are you really expecting from Brett Beatty at this point? Yeah, and it's unfortunate. He's a you know at this Mets time fans have last totally year, turned on him. I I mean, yeah. again, just from listening to the callers at the radio station, uh, they they were dying for for Justin Turner. You know, they they hmm. just want anyone to play third base that's not Brett Beatty or even DH. It's like, oh well, Beatty's going to DH because he can't play third, so we already have a third baseman. He's going to be there. There they want someone. They like. They take Giro Urshela over him. Wow. See, that's why, as a Cubs fan, I would love to have Brett Beatty at third base right now because we have a pretty big hole there. That's kind of interesting. Maybe we should have done a little more on him, um, but don't have much on him now. So Matt Chapman was one. Depends a little bit on his landing spot, but either way, at pick 274, I think that's a, a pretty good price. And the last one, this is where I want to get your opinion too. I have DJ LeMayhew as kind of like a deep sleeper. He's going to lead off for the Yankees, who just added quite a few guys. Maybe they're not done. I've heard their name connected to Snell quite a bit today. Not that that matters for him, but what are your thoughts on DJ LeMayhew? It's funny because they always say, look at the back of his baseball card. That's like Brian uh, Brian Cash and Aaron Boone's big like talking point, and it drives me insane because the back of the baseball card shows a steady decline for the last three years since you signed into that contract. And Look, before he signed that contract with the Yankees, it was a steal, right? Six years, $15 million a year. It felt like a steal because he was the batting average champion for like three years in a row. But the second half of last year, he was really good. And, got, you know, he came in last year to camp looking just big and lumbering and slow. And it was like, it just felt like this guy just got old so fast. And with a guy who's not going to have a ton of power, a guy who's not going to steal bases because he's slow... It just felt like, what's the value with him? But now, this after the second half of last year, where all of a sudden he just gained the speed, and I, I hear from guys who I'm friendly with, like Justin Shackle and Brian Hoke, who are down there at Yankee camp, and say he looks slimmer, he looks quicker, he looks like he has a little bit more pep in his step. And that doesn't matter if he's not going to steal bases. He's still not going to steal bases. But if he leads off and they want him to lead off, that's the goal right now. If you hear from the Yankees, you hear from Boone Cashman, they want DJ LeMayo to be the leadoff guy. If he can get back to the DJ LeMahieu, who's getting on base 35% of the time, 36% of the time, batting close to 300, if he could get back to that, that's all you need for him to score 120 runs with Judge and Soto behind him, maybe a little bit of a resurgence of Rizzo. I already told you I think Glaber is going to have a monster yeah. year in a, in a contract year. So is it a risk? Sure, because you already know he's not going to give you a ton of home runs. He's not going to give you stolen bases. He's probably not going to drive in a ton of runs. But if you think he could get back to that on-base level, he could end up scoring a ton of runs and be a guy who 
is scoring a ton of runs and has a high on base percentage. And those are good guys to have at the back end of the draft, especially. Well, and he's one, I mean, it's a deeper deep, you know, he is according to the drafts that have started. Um, they started in October. He's currently going at pick four fifty. So when you're talking that late, it's either a guy that you just kind of keep your eye on on the waiver wire or that you, again, you're throwing crap at the wall and seeing what sticks, you know? Yeah. And I just, I, I see the potential for him to score a hundred runs and have a decent average, especially if he's going to be leading off. So again, I'm not all in on DJ Mayhew, but it's just like an interesting one that I thought would be fun to point out. Yeah. Fun. Definitely fun to point out. All right. So who is your top 10 go 10 to one, your top 10 third baseman going into 2024 for the fantasy season, 10 to one. Should I start in the backside or go? Yeah, let's go 10 to one. All right. So 10th, I have Noel V Marte. Um, Ninth, I have Josh Jung. Eighth, I have Alex Bregman. Seven, I have Manny Machado. Six, I have Royce Lewis. Five, I have Gunnar Henderson. Four, Ellie De La Cruz. Three, Rafael Devers. Two, Austin Riley. And one, obviously, Jose Ramirez. Can you do a minute on Ellie De La Cruz? What do you, um, why are you so high on him this year? I could do 25 minutes on Ellie. I, (laughs) Ellie is such a difficult one for me right now. So I have quite a few shares in dynasty and I'm psyched about that redraft. And, and, you know, this, this upcoming year is a little bit more difficult to prove as to why he maybe deserves a four ranking. The only reason why I will say he does is because he's going to give you speed, right? I mean, we've seen that he hits the ball extremely hard, which, you know, I love he's in a great ballpark on a great team that's going to score a lot of runs and it feels like he is like one of the centerpieces of that team you know him matt mcclain um noel v Marte, ces like there's a there's a new youth movement and it feels like he is like one of the cornerstones for it and so i'm betting on a breakout i don't know necessarily that i'm willing to pay some of the prices let's see where he's going he's currently going at 23 i don't know if i'm ready to pay that price unfortunately but if we're talking closer to 30, maybe I'm jumping in. I'm probably going in around pick 30. Um, but there is a very real chance that he hits 240 and maybe some of the power isn't fully developed. But at the very least, you're going to get some speed. You're going to get quite a few runs, some RBIs as well. Sounds like he's going to hit towards the top. So I would expect 100 runs probably at least, 30 steals at least. I would say 30. He He's a guy... If Ellie De La Cruz went 30-50 this year, I would not be shocked. Would not be shocked at all. And then last thing for you, and this is all I have, so if you have anything else after this, we'll wrap it up. But one guy, and this could be either a prospect, it could be a guy who's a big name, it could be anyone, one guy that you are staying away from. Do not draft one third baseman. One third baseman I am not drafting. Let me look down my list here. Um... I don't know if there's one that I'm totally out of. Maybe, I mean, if you're real deep league, Yohan Mankata, totally. Yeah, nobody's drafting Totally him. done with him. <laughs> yeah. Um, if I move up the list a little bit, there's quite a few guys. I mean, third base has like a lot of a lot of guys that are good at one thing. I mean, a lot of it's power, right? Like I see Jake Berger. Right. I'm probably not taking Jake Berger at pick 150, but if someone is, I don't think I'm going to really, you know, roast them for it like i think that's a fine pick he's just he's gonna give you so much power i don't know if there's one that i'm particularly avoiding maybe how about this i will probably be avoiding jimer candelario 
I know the Reds just signed him to a deal, so he's probably going to play. I just you love so many other guys in that infield that how can you assume that Candelario is going to get the same playing time as those guys? Yeah, and you're absolutely yeah. I mean, I, my assumption is right when CES and Noelvi start to play better yep. than Candelario, he's just going to be out, and so we'll see. Maybe not, but yeah. All right. Um. So I think that's it for us. Unless you had anything else on third base, one overall thought, anything? No. No. I mean, I. It's a. If I'm not getting some of these top guys that we just talked about, I'm probably waiting and trying to take yep. one of those Michael Garcia, Ezekiel Duran types later. So, and that's the overall thing with third base that we're looking at. There's really those three guys at the top, and then there's a real big drop off, and a lot of guys in a similar category. Some of them have higher upside. Some of them, I like that you called it the old and the young, right? Because the the older guys that maybe you're still trying to hold on to something with them, and the younger guys that you're hoping for a step. Um, that really defines the position. So until next time, everyone, we'll keep doing these. We'll pump out the YouTube videos. We'll break them up a little bit more for you guys. We're going to start working on that this week so that we can have content every day on the YouTube channel. Um, but these episodes are going to be twice a week, continuing next episode. We'll decide what we're talking about on next episode, but we'll keep going position rankings. And then eventually we'll do a draft ourselves. So until next time, we appreciate everyone for listening, uh, subscribing, follow us on social media and do all that fun stuff that helps support us. We appreciate it until next time. I'll see you guys. All right. Yeah. See you, Rami. Good job. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.